everyone. How are we doing? Good. Bright and sunny day. It's awesome. Um, so we've been looking at First Thessalonians. I'm going to invite you to turn there, and I will say for the last time, not the last time in our lives as we continue to study the Scriptures, but the last time as we study this in our, as a series on Sunday mornings, First uh, Thessalonians 5, um, and we're going to be in verse 23 through 28, finishing that off. Uh, Paul has taken us through quite a bit uh, in this letter, hasn't he? He's taken us through quite a bit in this letter. It's, uh, he's asked us to love one another. He's given examples of his own testimony on how he has loved this, this Thessalonian church. Uh, he's he's uh, encouraged them because they've gone through a lot. This, this church has gone through a lot, gone through the ringers. You recall that, that first week we talked about their experience of starting up as a church. Um, I don't think, I've never been in a church that's had this kind of experience where someone comes in and, and a leader comes in and what did Paul do? He went in and he preached with Silas and Timothy. He went into the synagogues and he, he, he reached out to his Jewish brothers and sisters first to, to share the good news of the Messiah, the promised Messiah. And you saw uh, there were Jewish converts and we saw that there were others in the city, uh, prominent men and women, others in the city who came to Christ as well. And so here you have now the church you have this group of people coming together from all sorts of different backgrounds, uh, coming together as the body of Christ, united in Christ. And when you get a lot of different people with a lot of different lifestyle experiences and opinions and all of that, whew, that can be a little rough, right? That can be a little, a little bumpy. And uh, it didn't help matters that as Paul and Silas and Timothy were preaching in, the, uh, in, in Thessalonica, what happened to them? Very quickly, like was the pattern with Paul, uh, some people disagreed with him, and uh, those people formed a, a mob, and they had a riot in the city, and, they, uh, and the church basically had to say, this young church had to say, hey, we are scared for you guys. You guys, the leaders, were scared for you. Uh, we're, we're, we're a little worried what's happening now. Why don't you guys go ahead and take off for your own safety? And, and they did. They did. And uh, so Paul and Silas and, and Timothy leave the city in a rush. And here you have this church. And Paul, throughout this whole letter, he's been saying, I've been worried about you. I've been worried about you. Uh, we sent Timothy to get a report. And so he's very encouraged by the report. And so this, this church is proving itself to hold up under the pressures and the persecution that is coming from the people within their city. And in fact, um, their, their good deeds and their, their lives are, and their example is not just staying within this little city, and, and they've not clustered themselves within this little group saying, man, we're just going to watch out for ourselves, got to take care of ourselves. No, their example has spread throughout the whole region. And Paul says, you've become known as a loving church, a generous church, a church that's standing firm. Continue to stand firm in your relationship with the Lord. And so uh, he talks about their relationship together, their relationship with the Lord, listen, continuing to listen to truth instead of lies. There, there's been some people coming in saying, oh, actually, what Paul's saying is not true, not exactly true. And, and we want to add to the story of the gospel. And he says, continue to listen to truth. And, uh, and, and put off the lies. Uh, and he, he, we ended last week where he talks about not being driven by our circumstances, but live, living our lives in, in, in joy, 
in prayer and uh, in gratitude. Joy, prayer, in gratitude, no matter what is happening around us. Our, our example, our lives are to be defined by joy, prayer, gratitude, love for one another, and love for other people outside of our circle as well. And he says we're, we're doing this all while we're, we're looking for Christ to come back. We're, we're waiting in t- in, with anticipation for Christ to come back, but this is the way that we live amongst ourselves and amongst others. And so as we've stepped through this letter, I'm sure that each and every one of us uh, felt like there's some places in our lives where we could gain a little bit more traction, a little bit more progress, uh, learning from the example of this church, some things that we may need to do to um, draw closer to the Lord and maybe even draw closer to one another and to our communities as we're spreading the gospel message. So here we come, closing out the letter to this Thessalonian church, and Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 28, he says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. I hear amens, and this, this is the, the crux of the message right here. This is the crux of the, crux of the message. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss, and I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. There's Paul's final thoughts in this letter. He's going to write another letter to him, but his final thoughts in this letter to the Thessalonian church. Now, years ago, I'm thinking it was about four houses ago in our life, in our family's life. So about four houses ago, which actually isn't that long ago if I'm thinking about it, we had, we had a water heater that burst in a house, all right? Water heater burst in a house, and what happens? Then all that water is all over the floors. Now, we lived in a ranch-style house, and so it was kind of a blessing. We had moved into this house, and the carpets were filthy. It really hadn't been, it hadn't been taken care of. Uh, we thought we, we got this house at a, a great deal, and it was, it was a, you know, just the perfect location for us. But there was some work that we needed to do. But we didn't have a lot of time, a lot of money at the time, so we didn't, well, we'll, we'll rip that carpet out when we can. Well, the, the water, uh, the, the uh, thing burst, and uh, water heater burst, and uh, soaked that carpet. Being in a ranch-style house with a continuous floor plan, our insurance company said, oh, guess what? You get to redo the whole house, not just the dining room where it ruined our carpet, because it's a continuous floor plan, and, uh, you know, and so we're, we're going to recarpet the whole thing for you. Ah, so we, we got to kind of, uh, as a new homeowner there, choose, oh, this is what we want. And we actually decided we wanted to do carpet and some tile in the kitchen, dining room, and some other areas of the house to spruce it up a little bit. So, thinking to save a little bit of money. It's like, I'm going to do some of this tile work. I'd never done tile work before. I had some friends come over to help me get started on the tile work. And I, I, we tiled the, the entryway, which was a small section. And it turned out really, really nice. Nice and square and so nice, nice. It turned out really, really nice. This is great. We tiled a couple of bathrooms, small areas. I said, man, this is great. This turned out really, really nice. I went to tile the kitchen dining area. And I started tiling it, laying down the tiles, cutting tiles as I had been doing. And all of a sudden, I noticed everything's starting to, like, shift. And my lines are starting to go all over the place. And I realized this job is getting out of hand for me because of my experience 
and know-how and all that kind of stuff. And I, I try to say it from the pulpit here that I'm not good at home repair stuff. I want it to be clear that you don't call me to go and help you with your home repair projects. I'd love to help in other areas of your life, but, but home repair and, and maintenance stuff like that is just not my gifting. Well, I, I had gotten in over my head on this thing, and man, this just, uh, the, the dining room started to go like this with the tile. I'm like, okay, well, this, this, this is not going to work. Well, so I had to call a guy, got some recommendations, had to call a guy to come in and say, okay, can you fix this? Can you fix this? And he said, yeah, sure. He's a tile guy. So he can fix it. Real nice guy came in, started to do it. Well, what had to happen is some of my work, most of my work, if not all of my work, had to be ripped up. He's got the big scraper and scraping the tile and getting the tile off because it had sort of set. It had set. Uh, so he's ripping it up and, and the tile, you know, it's, it's busted tile. Good thing you order more when you do a project, right? Order extras. And so a lot of my work had been busted up. It was, it was no good. It just had to be taken up and, uh, and, um, and redone all together. Well, here is a church that's waiting for Jesus. And Paul is going to speak to their sanctification. We're going to talk about sanctification, the way that the Lord was working through them. All right, they they were anticipating the day of the Lord, and Paul's going to speak. We're, we're going to read. I want to read a, sec, a section of scripture in just a second from another letter he writes to another church about what the day of the Lord's going to entail. First Corinthians three says this: According to God's grace that was given to me, think about tile work. What that means. I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful of how he builds on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. All right? The foundation is Jesus Christ. And we build on top of that during our lives. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. All right, you build this thing, it's going to be, man, it was so obvious. I'm building this, putting out that tile. Whew, it was so obvious I was over my head in this project. All right, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This is the day of the Lord. This is, this is when the Lord comes back. And Paul is speaking to, to this group of Thessalonians that he's, he's talking about the way they are living. And as he says in this letter to the Corinthians, what's going to happen when Jesus comes back? Our work, what we've laid out, what we've, what we've built as a life is going to be tested by fire, and it's going to come through or it's not. All right, he says, he himself will be saved. If, if anyone's work is burned up, he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Something left over? Nothing left over when Jesus comes back. It's like this tile. There was nothing left over on that tile work I did in the kitchen dining room. It was all torn up. It did not survive. It did not survive. This church is looking for Jesus to come back, and Paul says, well, this is what's going to happen when Jesus does come back. Our, our work is going to be tested. Our work, our work is going to be tested. 
Will our actions stand the test of time? This, this sounds pretty dire. If you just look at 1 Corinthians here, 3, and you just read that isolated, that can sound pretty dire. Well, how is anything going to be saved? How does anything come out of that? I'm just human. I'm just me. How, how is anything coming to that? How are my actions going to stand the test of time? And Paul comes to this church in Thessalonica and says in verse 23 of chapter 5, Now may the God of peace, he says this as a prayer to this church, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is in verse 24. This is how it happens. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He will do it. Paul says we're all going to receive this, this total makeover. We're all going to get a total makeover. Spirit, soul, body are, are the three words that he describes our total makeover, who we are as, as people, who we are as God's children. He says we're going to get a total makeover, and the, the work has already started. The work has already started. Now, he's used the word sanctify here, sanctification here. We've, he's, he's used that a couple of times throughout this letter. To be justified means we're set apart, all right? We accept Christ as our Savior the Spirit seals us and fills us as God's child. We are, we are justified, set apart for God. We are part of His family. But Paul says there's a sanctifying process. Don't forget this sanctifying process. We don't, we don't sit here on our hands, sitting on our hands, just waiting, hoping it turns out all right. No, there's something to being sanctified. This is the process of growing more and more like Christ says, I want you to grow more and more like Christ, and this affects your whole person, the whole body, everything about you. When you accept Christ, everything about you is, is moving in a, a direction of redemption through Christ. He says, he uses the word spirit, soul, and body here. In other, in other passages, he, he'll use maybe a, a couple different words to describe it, but with the Thessalonian church, he says, spirit, soul, and body. This is who we are. Now, the spirit, get into the modern world, and, and the spirit is pretty easy to reject. Uh, the modern world has a hard time seeing anything beyond what we see, right? But, but our spirit is our connection to God, our connection to God. We are created as a physical being. We are also created as a spiritual being, meaning to have relationship with God. That is God's plan. That is God's desire to, to have humanity be living in relationship with Him, to be connected with Him in relationship. And that is our spirit. This gets to the question, when we talk about spirit, gets to the question, gets us asking the question, is there more than what we, what we see? Is there more than just what we see out there? He says, soul, your, your soul, may God, may God sanctify you completely, your, your spirit, your soul. The soul, you could say, is who we are at our core, who we are as an individual. If our spirit is our connection to God, we may say our, our soul is, is really an understanding of ourselves. Who, who am I? Who am I? It's self-awareness. May may, we may ask the question, well, what is this? mean 
for me? What does this life mean for me? Spirit, is, is, there, is there more to this life outside of what I can see? What does this life then mean for me? And then he says the body as well. Now, the Greeks of this day would have rejected this, the idea of, of body being sanctified. The, the Greeks, those philosophers of the day, uh, they would have said that the, the physical is just a prison. And we're, we're looking and we're, we're striving just to get to that higher plane, that, that higher spiritual plane. And anything we can do to, to uh, it's, it's okay to neglect the body. It's okay to neglect our actions. It's okay to neglect that physical being because it's, it's just a prison that's housing us uh, until we reach that, that higher spiritual plane. But our body, he says, Paul is, says our body is our, our connection. It's really our, our physical connection to this world around us. Where the spirit side of us says, okay, is there more than just what I see? The body side says, man, what happens to me? I, I see there's death in the world. I see there's trouble in this world. I see there's, there's physical struggling in this world. What happens to us? Paul says that the sanctification process, to, this, this process of us becoming more and more like Christ is, is a holistic thing, a holistic process. There's, there's not just one part of us where God says, oh, that's the little piece that I'm going to redeem. That's the, the little bitty piece, and we're going to throw everything else away. No, he's, he's working through our whole being. They may be asking the question, is there more to life? You may be asking this question, is there more to life? Paul says, yes, there is salvation, redemption, and sanctification through Christ, becoming more and more holy, a, a greater understanding of who we are, a greater understanding and, and even connection to, to who God is, and, and even a greater understanding and a connection to the world around us. God put us here for a reason in this world. The, the plan's not that, oh, God put us here, had us in the garden, it got messed up, and then, you know, now we're just waiting to leave this place and, 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 like the Greeks, go to a spiritual place. No, the end of the story, what's the end of the story? The end of the story is a, a new heaven and a new earth, and actually being combined, being brought together, the, the place of God being, the, being brought together with the place of His creation, this new heaven and new earth coming together in redemption and renewal. And, you know, we're, we're given pictures of this all over the place. We got pictures of this all over the place, you know, what it looks like to, to demo and then have new construction, taking down the old, bringing up the new, you know, reviving. Some of you guys are great gardeners. I'm not, you know, we got dead plants all over the place, but reviving a life like, like, like a plant, reviving that, making it new. You know, you see people who have experienced trauma, deep hurt and pain and suffering in their lives, and it looks like there's, there's nothing beyond that, and then you see the healing that Christ can bring to a life like that. That's redemption. That's renewal. This is where, this is where we're going. This is Paul says, this is where we're going, and it starts right now. It starts right where we are. We get to know this God that is actually life, the God of life. We get to know Him. And this is a, a whole life, a whole body, a holistic experience. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 22. He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind. Again, see this, this complete love, complete working out of love with our whole person, our whole being. As we come to Christ, we are, we are simply entering into the life that we were meant to have, a life in relationship with God, our Creator. And this is for the whole person. And so when we're, we're discouraged or we're, we're, we're not content or we, we have worry or, or, or greed or we're unsatisfied, there's a part of us that may be kind of neglecting what God wants to sanctify in our life or how God wants to work in our lives. God is working. God is working in a mighty way. He says, Paul says, this is such an important message that, brothers and sisters, I need you all to hear it, all right? Not just those who maybe got this letter in the mail or who were handed this letter saying, okay, hey, this little group here, this is, this is for you. No, it says, in verse 20, it says, and I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. This is a message for everybody. It's not just a message for maybe the leadership or someone else or for, for the one who's hurting in the congregation. It's not just a message for, for you. You know, don't, don't target this. All these instructions I've given you, all this encouragement I've given you, all, all, the, all the words that I've written for you, it's not to be targeted to somebody who's struggling. This is for everyone. This is for the, the whole church, the whole church. This, this is Pentecost Sunday, right? You guys realize that this is, this is Pentecost Sunday. What happened on Pentecost? Holy Spirit comes down like the flame and rests on the believers, those who accepted Christ as their Savior. The, the Spirit was poured out on the church. Paul's saying, let that Spirit work through you. Let the Holy Spirit who's been poured out on you as a church continue to work through you, redeeming you, reviving you, rejuvenating, rejuvenizing you. Do we hear what Paul's saying in that? Do we hear what Paul's asking us? Do you hear what Paul's desiring for, for us as a body? Do you hear it? Do you hear it? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He will do it. God has a plan and a purpose, and he doesn't say, go try it on your own. Paul says, no, God has said, I'm the one who's going to do this. I'm the one who's going to accomplish this. I'm the one who's going to make this come about. Are you with me? Will you walk with me in that? We are not alone. Our work is not in vain. Our life is not in vain. And when we see Jesus face to face, you know what God's desire for us is? As he's talking about working and, and working through the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to completely transform you, God, this is God's desire when we see Jesus face to face. Jesus says this in Matthew 25. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Good job. Good do well done, good and faithful servant. That's God's desire. That's what God wants to say to each and every one of us. Good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful worker. The job is complete. 
it feels good when the job's complete, doesn't it? You ever been on a project? You start that project, you're like, man, I don't know where this thing's going to go. And sometimes life feels that way. I don't know where this thing's going to go. But we start on a project, and man, I don't, okay, I'm going, we're going, we're going. Here's the, here's the instructions. There's the pieces. Great. We, we, we bought a bunch of Ikea stuff for our offices to get the offices down, set up down there. Anybody else go to Ikea and put together Ikea projects? Big old box, lots of pieces, instructions that unfold about nine pages long because they're in every language imaginable, right? I've got to find English somewhere within this mix. And then you get into the project, you're like, man, what is this? Yeah, do I have all the pieces? Is this, is this even turning out to be the bookshelf or is this turning out to be something else? You know, what is it? But you finish the project, you finish the task, whatever it may be. Sense of satisfaction in that, sense of joy in that. You put that bookshelf up against the wall, oh, putting the books on, oh, yes, it's working, and it didn't fall down. You know, the sense of satisfaction in that. Jesus says, ah, God's going to say, good, well done, good and faithful servant. You finished well. What happens if you get into a project, maybe you're a project at work, and you don't finish well? What happens? You got a boss. Oof, what happened, guy? What happened, man? What happened, woman? What happened, worker? All right, why didn't this project get done? There's not a lot of satisfaction in that. And if you've ever been on a project and you can't complete it, it's like, I think I got to give this to so-and-so down the hall. You know, this is what Jesus says you know, you, you were faithful to a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many. He says in this passage that he's talking about the talents, he says, oh, the, the one who, man, you just didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. So I got to give that to someone else. I got to give that to someone else. See, see, God's work continues to go. This is where God is the one who's working. He's got his plan. He's got his purpose. He's working in our lives. And he says, hey, why don't you come in here and work with me? I've got some things specifically for you for, that I want you to do. And as we're moved by the Spirit, we get into that, and we do the, we do the work, we do the work. And if we don't, it's just, man, well, I've got to give that joy, I've got to give that satisfaction, I've got to give that sense of accomplishment to someone else because you decided not to do it. Paul says God is working in you to, to bring you uh, complete sanctification through your spirit, your soul, and your body. And he's the one who is working. Will our actions stand the test of time? Well, the good news is God's the one who does this. He, call, he who calls you is faithful. He will do it. God is putting all the pressure on himself. He's asking us to walk with him. But when it comes to accomplishing his plan and his purpose, he says, this, this is what I'm laying out. Now, you know, I'm not saying that now we're sitting back and, you know, you know, sitting back in our, in our easy our recliners or whatever, our easy chairs, just, just waiting to see what happens. No, there, there's work to be done. But, but God has got the plan and the purpose and the work. And he's going to be working this out in us. He's asked us to be faithful with our words and our actions, but it's, it's God who calls the people to himself. God who calls a people to himself. We, we often get kind of hung up on this thing called evangelism. I don't know how to do it. I don't know enough. I have not memorized enough scripture. How, would, how do I share to this person or, or that person? How do I invite them into a relationship with Christ? God's the one who does that. He asks us to be faithful. 
He asks us to use what he's given us to use. But he says here, Paul says, he who has called you, he will be faithful to do the work. And Paul, what he says is he reminds us of the need to be connected to the one who is working in us. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Paul felt the, the, the deep need for prayer, for, the, for other believers to be rallying around him in that work. And he stresses it again here. He prays for this, this small little group in, in verse 23. And then he says, oh, please pray for us as well, because this is what we do. This is what we do. We lift one another up in prayer. Sometimes it's the only thing we can do. We've got some folks in this church who haven't been able to come and fellowship because of health needs or, or whatever it may be during this last year, but I know they are praying. I know we've got some prayer warriors who are faithful in praying. I, I, I posted this week through our Faith Life page that I had a friend who, uh, in Pennsylvania who, who tried to commit suicide on Thursday, a friend from college, and we, we saw these, this social media flurry of posts that are like, this is the letter. This is his suicide note to the world. And all of a sudden, we were out, what do we do? What do we do? How can we, we, we didn't, we, some of us don't even know where he's located, the town he's located in, because, because he, he's become so isolated. And all we could do was pray. And I thank you guys for those who were able to respond in prayer for my friends. And he's getting help in, in a facility right now. And we're so grateful that he was able to be reached in time before he could go through with it. But sometimes all we can do is pray and leave it up to God. We have to leave it up to God by letting God lead. God is the one, Paul says, who is moving us through this sanctification process. Again, he's, he's put the weight on his shoulders, the burden on his shoulders to do that, that kingdom building. He's just asked us to walk along beside him in what he's called us to. So are, are we working through the Spirit? Are we allowing the Spirit to, to continue to do that sanctifying work in, in our whole being, in our spirit, in our soul, in our, in our body? Or are we, as Paul said earlier in this letter, last week we looked at, he says, hey, he says, don't stifle the Spirit. Literally, don't put out the flame that is within you. Don't let that flame go out. Don't stifle the Spirit. Look to the Scripture. Look to the Word of God. Hold on to that. Don't put out the fire, but let that fire burn within you. What it's doing is it's purifying us. It's helping to get rid of that junk that we have in our lives that God wants to say, hey, get rid of that. Get rid of that. There's so much other good stuff that I want to build into you. Again, at the end, we saw at the end, when Jesus comes to, to judge the works, what we've built on the foundation that we have in Christ, does it stand or does it fall? Does it, does it, does it walk through the fire or does it get burned up? Only what's holy will remain. This is where we're going. Only what's holy will remain. Again, you walk through that fire, and, 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 and he says, Paul said that as you're walking through that fire, if you're in Christ, you are in Christ. There's no, nothing that can take you away or, or remove you from that. But it's the, the way that we live, our actions, our lifestyle, our, our words that we use. Those are going to be walking through the fire or burned up and consumed in the fire. 
Are we allowing the Spirit to, to do that sanctifying work in us, this holistic work? The world is full of image bearers. It's not just us sitting in this room. The world is full of image bearers looking for a place to belong, looking for connection, looking for purpose, looking for uh, uh, answers to who we are. What does it mean to be in this world? Is there anything beyond us? This is what we're inviting them into those answers, that, that security that we have in Christ, that, that, that working of the, the Spirit so that they too can, can enjoy that, that, that relationship with their Creator God. This is why we live like we do, to show Christ to the world around us. And anything that's not being led by the Spirit is not showing Christ in our communities and will be burned up in the end. I like this quote. I was, as I was doing this study, this comes from the ESV Systematic Theology uh, Bible. Uh, for, for, I found it in this, this, pa- this uh, section of Scripture here. Uh, it says, It would be quite impossible to share God's life or to become like God without sharing His love and concern for the world and the, p- the people He has created. It would be quite impossible to share God's life or to become like God without sharing his love and concern for the world and the people that he has created. This is what we do. This is why we live the way we live. This is why we take part in the activities and, and, and the, the, the events and things that, that we take part in because we want to share Christ and, and show concern for the world around us. There's a great big world out there. It's not easy. This is when Christ asks us to get to pick up our cross, deny ourselves. It's the Christian life is not for the faint of heart. It's not easy. It's not just about easy answers. But it's, allow, it's about allowing Him to continue to work in us. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. God is the one who is moving he is the one who has called you. Paul reminds this, this church that God has called them into something wonderful, from, from death to life, from, from cut off from God to in, in relationship with their creator. And so we've got choices to make during this life. We've got choices to make. Well, will, will our actions stand the test of time? Our life is built on our actions. It's built upon our actions. Will our actions stand the test of time? Paul says, take heart. God is working in you, actively working in and through you. Will you walk with him in that? Will you walk with him in that? Now, I wanted to end this time. We got a couple minutes here. Oftentimes we come into church, I said most times we come into church, and what do we do? We, we, we sing and we sit, and then we go. Uh, we've just made our way through a book, through this letter to the Thessalonian church. I want to ask a couple questions here. I want to have a little dialogue here. Imagine, as you're looking back at this, this letter that Paul has given us, imagine that you're like the, the original audience 
hearing this for the first time. And those who are online with us can play along as well. How do you think, if you're reading this for the first time, how, how do you think they would respond, and, and how are you responding to Paul's words and his call as we've made our way through this series? Disbelief? How so? Disbelief? 